Good evening, this is Quintus Curtius, and welcome back to the Fortress of the Mind podcast. And in this podcast, I'm going to be answering a question, discussing a question that I received yesterday from a reader, which is a very good question, and it involves a lot of different nuances of ethical uh, principles and the interplay of expediency and moral goodness and what to do when those two things come into conflict. So let me read his email for us here. What he says, he says, Dear Quintus, I am in need of some, I am in need of some guidance and words of wisdom. I have been deeply troubled and conflicted as of late. I am a 19-year-old aspiring and growing photographer at a college in a western state. I am familiar with your work and have read your book 37. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate that. He says, I have forever been trying to find the balance between being a good, virtuous person and at the same time being a strong alpha who who gets what he wants. It sometimes seems to me that the two things are incompatible. It has only it has it has been only recently that I have felt very dead inside, he goes on to say. He says, My mind keeps coming to these thoughts of why it seems to me that this current society punishes men with good virtues, that is, honesty, respect, kindness, selflessness, etc., and rewards men who take advantage of others, cheat, lie, steal, act foolishly, and don't care a bit for others. Society cannot have any balance if it's every man for himself, but it seems to me that this is just the way it is today. Sometimes I feel like these two things are polar opposites. It has been keeping me up at nights, and any advice you give would be would be deeply appreciated. All right. Well, this is a very, very good question. This is a very, very good question, and it may surprise him to realize that this has been a constant objection that people have made to any sort of discussion of ethical or moral problems. People will say, well, why should I... Why should I behave ethically or morally if I don't get any reward for it? Or why does it seem like those who violate the rules and do whatever they want and don't live by any good principles, they always seem to get what they want? And why is it that others who do those things uh, never seem to be rewarded? Or at least that's, that's the question. That's what the principle is. Well, there's a a few things I can say about that. First thing, I think the first thing we have to do is make sure that we're talking about the same thing and make sure that we're operating from a sincere point of reference. And again, I don't mean this to slam on this guy or anything or try to criticize him, but the first thing I would say is, how do we even know that we're behaving virtuously or or ethically? Who Who says we are? You know, the reader in his question says that he thinks that he's a virtuous and ethical person and and nobody else is or other people aren't. But how do we know that's true? How do we know that's true? He seems to indicate that he's not getting where he wants to be by behaving ethically. And he seems to think that it's because of uh, the fact that he's being held back by these cumbersome, impractical, old moral codes that don't seem to have any relevance or any utility in today's society. Well, that is a commonly encountered objection, but what I would say is this: Look, first off, uh, how do you know that you're not that you're not where you want to be for some other reason? You know, it's very easy for people to take refuge in morality. It's very easy for people to say that they're not 
where they want to be or they have not reached where they want to be simply because of how virtuous they are and that people who do seem to get what they want well they're all bad they're they're uh, they're lacking in, in in values or virtues don't be so quick to judge others don't be so quick to say that you're virtuous and other people are not because it's very difficult sometimes not all the time but it, it can often be often be more difficult than it seems to judge the motivations and the actions of others and like I said it's very easy also to use morality and ethics as an excuse and as a crutch for not wanting to do the things that you need to do to get where you need to be okay that's another thing that we see and I was talking to a, a lawyer recently and I found the guy's been practicing law for 15 years and has never done a trial never fought anything out in trial I've uh, been one of these guys that's just sat in an office for, for his whole career. And he had all these rationalizations and justifications as to why he's never litigated anything or never done a trial. And when all is said and done, it really comes down to the fact that he's afraid of putting his ass on the line, that he's afraid of working hard, that he's afraid of pushing the boundaries of his knowledge and exploring new fields and in taking a risk. Okay. And you can say the same thing about other fields of endeavor, people who don't want to improve their social skills, people who don't want to improve their body, people who don't want to go to a gym. They always can think of reasons why they don't want to do something. Okay, so that's the first point that I want to bring out is first, be careful of perspective. Don't be so quick to judge others. All right. Now, having said that, I will agree with the reader with the writer of this message that we are I think living in a time where the old moral codes that were put in place in many cases by religions and institutions uh, have begun to decay have begun to lose a lot of the respect and authority that they used to have so I'm going to agree with him on that okay and what this guy's question is comes down to is uh, what do I? How do we resolve the fact that what is moral is not the same as what is expedient or advantageous? And how should I resolve conflicts between those two things? If I'm faced with a situation where there is a conflict between doing something that's ethical or moral and between doing something that's expedient or that's advantageous, what should I do? Should I do what gets me the best short-term gain? Or should I do what's the right thing to do? And these are very, very deep waters. Okay, these are the, these are the, these are the deep questions and these are things that uh, thinkers and writers have been asking for probably for thousands of years. And nobody really has arrived at a perfect answer for all of these issues. But some have come close. You know, I, I, I wanted to take this question and turn it into a podcast because the question reminds me of work that I'm doing right now. I, some of the listeners may know I'm currently involved in uh, translating uh, Cicero's book On Duties, De Officiis, and it's going to be ready probably in another couple months, I expect by early June. And I don't think it's an exaggeration to say and I don't think it's bragging to say that it's going to be the the best translation that's ever been done of this classic. It's going to have 
an index. It's going to have fully annotated uh, pages. It's going to have um, you know essays, explanatory, introductory essays. It's going to be completely modernized vocabulary, and and uh, and I've put a lot. It's been it's been over a year and a half of daily steady effort, and it's. Uh, it's involved a huge investment of, of time and effort on my part, and that's fine. That's something I've chosen to do. But the whole book talks about just what this guy's question is. The first part of the book talks about moral goodness or moral rectitude. What is morally good? And the Latin word for that is honestas. honestas. It doesn't mean honesty. It means something different. It means moral goodness or, or moral rectitude. And then the second, another part of the book talks about expediency, expediency or advantageousness. What is what 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 is that? Uh, the Latin word is utilitas or utilis. It means expediency. You know what doing doing what's advantageous. And then the last part of the book talks about conflicts. What happens and what should a person do when there's a conflict between what is expedient and what is morally right? And this really is where the difficult questions come into play. This is really where the uh, you know the, the the struggles that people have with their decisions in life come about. Because there's an infinite number of examples that we have in our lives of where these two principles come into conflict, and how do we resolve them? And I think it's not an exaggeration to say that the way we resolve these questions and how we implement these questions and answers helps define who we are. These moral and ethical questions are important. They come up all the time. And how we answer them defines who we are. And even though it can seem sometimes that the people that are taking shortcuts and scamming and lying and, and, and cheating and stealing are getting a benefit, as you get older in life, you find out that that's not the case, that even though the people that seem to be doing that seem to be getting ahead in the long term, you know, it just it just doesn't it just doesn't uh, it doesn't work out that way. And to sum up my own personal belief, to make a long story short, you know, I think the best way to look at it is every person needs to be a tree and they've got to be able to bend a little bit. OK. No one is expected to be a saint in the world. No one is expected to be perfect. No one is expected to be a uh, philosopher saint who never makes a mistake and does everything perfectly, uh, correctly, and morally and accurately and, and never has a problem. Okay, Because you can't, frankly, to get along in the world, you have to make compromises. Inevitably, everybody has to make compromises. The question is a matter of degree. And use the analogy of the tree. The tree needs to bend here and there. The tree needs to be able to bend with the wind. But the bending should not go so far that it breaks. Okay, you've got to you've got to be a little bit flexible, but you can't be too flexible because then you have no principles. There should be a bedrock of principles there, but you should be able to tolerate different situations. That come about without being too rigid, because if you're too rigid, you're not going to survive either. And that I think is is the balance. And at the end of the day, you have to really believe that when you have a conflict between what is morally right and what is advantageous, you should try to lean towards 
the moral rightness. You should try to err on that side. If you're going to err, if something could go either way, you should err on the side of moral rightness. And the reason why that is so is because, and Cicero actually tries to prove this in his book, and he makes a very, very good case for doing it. Nothing, nothing, that he basically, he, he, basically what he, say, he says is that the very fact of acting in a morally correct way, that is expedient. And it's actually more practical to be ethical than it is to be a, uh, a scammer and to be dishonest. In the long run, you're better off living a life of moral, moral rectitude to the best that you can, to the best of your ability, than you are if you are someone who has no morals at all. And I think this is very profound because the older you get, you realize that there are sort of unconscious forces at play with a lot of this stuff. If you throw out garbage into the world, if you put garbage out there in the world, it comes back at you as garbage. If you live a life of lying, scamming, cheating, stealing, debauching, whatever, sooner or later that's going to catch up with you. And even though the people that do that may seem like they're getting ahead in the short term, I really believe that in the long term it's just not worth it. It's not worth it. It's not worth the toll that it takes on your body, on your conscience, on your health, on your peace of mind. It's just not worth it. Because anyone who's a human being is going to have a conscience and is going to have a sense, an innate sense, of what's right and what's wrong. And I really do believe that people have that to some degree. And when you are violating those natural laws day in and day out, it's going to take its toll on you. You're going to turn into a shriveled husk. You're going to turn into a shell of a man, a burnt-out, wrecked, cadaverous shell of a man. And that's something that's very important to realize. So, so think of that. And what I like about Cicero's book, that again, that I'm close to, close to finishing, and it's going to be the best ever, the best version of this book that's ever been done, I'm confident to say. He has a lot of examples of how to handle situations in life when we have a conflict between expediency and moral goodness. And I'll just give a few of these examples to give you a flavor. He has one great one where he says, imagine there's a famine on the island of Rhodes. Rhodes was an island in the eastern Mediterranean, a Greek island. Imagine there's a famine on the island of Rhodes and two ships loaded with grain take off from Alexandria in Egypt to go to the island to relieve the famine. And what happens when the first ship gets there? Should the the owner of the cargo, should the owner of the grain sell his grain to the people, the starving people, at um, you know famine prices, at, at, at marked up prices? Or should he disclose to them that, look, other ships are on the way. There's going to be another ship on the way here. I'm going to give you a fair market price for this, regardless of the demand, regardless of the, of the fact that demand is high. In other words, is it right to profit from the misery of others? And then he goes on to propose answers for that question. And it's not an easy question to answer for some of these philosophers that he quotes in, in his book. You know, some of them seem to think that you can, you know, you can you can take a very strict commercial view of it and you should just strictly abide by the laws of supply and demand. And 
other philosophers take the position that there is such a thing as a natural law. There's a commercial law, there's a law of man, and there's a, a law of nature. And we have a duty to be uh, humane and honest to our fellow man and not to violate those natural laws. And there are other examples, too, that are very practical. And he talks about selling real estate. You know, He talks about one guy wanted to sell uh, some beachfront property to another guy, and the seller asked some fishermen in his, in his uh, town to fish on the coast, uh, you know, while he had the, the buyer over for lunch, you know, so, so that the buyer could, so could look out into the water and see the fishermen there and so that he might conclude that there were great fishing grounds right off the, the coast of the land so as to induce him to buy the land at a higher price. And then the question is, is this ethical behavior? Is this moral behavior? And there are other examples. You know, what, what, say you have a father who wants to seize power as a tyrant, whether over a company or, a, or a, an, a, an office, a public office or a state. You know, should you, what should you do? Should you, should you threaten him? Should you admonish him? Should you turn him in? Should you physically stop him? You know, what are the right, right ways to handle that? At what point does duty to family and friends come ahead of duty to society? You know, these are these are deep questions. And they're not the answers are not always easy. And that's really one of the things that, you know, this writer, I think he said he was nineteen, he's still a very, very young guy. And I think as he gets older in life, he's gonna find that these sort of ethical and moral questions are are not boring abstract questions at all but these are the very soul of life the entanglements that we get into with these issues and how we resolve them constitute the very pulse of life and that's why it's so important to spend time thinking about them you know even lawyers have to uh, uh, be aware of this you know every attorney has to take an ethics exam to learn how to resolve ethical issues that come up in the law all the time. And a lot of them come up with in the context of conflicts of interest. For example, suppose you're representing one person and you have another person who tries to come to you and ask you questions. Or suppose you have two people in your office and it's possible that both of them could eventually have claims against each other. You know, what do you do then? You know, and you find out in the law that there are some conflicts that are waivable. There are some conflicts that you can you can cure by disclosing the conflict and getting the consent of the clients. And then there are some conflicts that are not waivable. That no matter how much you try to resolve that conflict, you you can't cure it. And in those situations, that you uh, may have to withdraw from the representation. So these are very very uh, very crucial questions. Very important questions. But I, I I feel this guy, you know, he's basically, because we all ask these questions. We Whenever we get down, whenever we get discouraged, whenever we feel slighted or maybe not where we want to be, it's very easy to say, wow, you know, I've I played by the rules my whole life. I did everything I was supposed to do. I did everything right. And yet I still feel like the scammers and the liars and the crooks are all getting ahead of me. And... You know, you can say that, and it's very easy to think that way, but I think if you really take a harder look at things, if you take a closer look, you'll find that that's really not the case. That, 
you're getting a skewed perspective. You may be seeing some people that may be having a temporary advantage, but you're not looking at all the 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 wrecks that have been beached on the shores of life who have um, you know not been living the right way, who have been living lives of of uh, of ill repute. And don't be so quick to judge. Don't be so quick to judge because you don't know. And again, uh, you know, whenever there comes to be a conflict, one of the things that I've learned in my life, whenever you're faced with a conflict between expediency and moral goodness, you should err on the side of moral goodness because practical, simply for practical purposes, because in the long run, bad things always come back to get you somehow, sooner or later. And it seems to come back to you in proportion with the bad things that you put out there. You you spew evil and hate and venom out there. It's going to come right back at you in one way or another. It just does. And you can call it the law of karma. You can call it fate. You can call it fortune. You can call it whatever you want to call it. But the principle is the same. And... I think that um, I think when my I think when this book comes out in June, I hope you'll get a chance to look at it, and I'll I'll be doing podcasts about it over the summer, you know, because I think it's it's the type of uh, book that really lends itself well to uh, discussion and uh, podcasting because you can take examples, you can discuss them, you can talk about the resolution of the problems, and it it just it just uh, adds a lot to the discussion. So I hope that this podcast has helped the reader. And this podcast, again, was brought brought to you courtesy of Fortress of the Mind Productions. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, I would ask that you go to iTunes and rate me on iTunes. And until next time, I'm Quintus Curtius. Good night.